Hi, Isabel here, popping in for a quick second to introduce episode number two of the Expat series, the interviews I did with my daughter during COVID. She is a bona fide expert in expat working and living and traveling, and you're going to want to stay and listen to the entire interview, stay to the end, subscribe to the channel so you'll get the next ones, and also get the free download of her excellent expat tips. Enjoy. Welcome to the Lift As You Climb podcast, where it's all about the journey and the joy of discovering who you are now, deciding who you want to become, and embracing your genuine identity, influence, and impact. In each episode, we'll explore how life's experiences have prepared us for what we choose to do next and how to create our encore, write our own script, and star in the next stage of our lives. I'm your host, your encore strategist and transformation catalyst, Isabel Alexander. Well, welcome back, Amanda. Welcome back to North America and welcome back to episode two of Who Is My Daughter Now? Amanda Sheldon is my daughter and I am the author of Who Am I Now? Feminine Wisdom, Unmasked and Uncensored. And my name is Isabel Banerjee. And I am excited to have this opportunity to be sharing some conversation with Amanda in that she has just repatriated to Canada about three weeks ago after being in the Middle East for 10 years. And I'm just thrilled to be able to share some of her experience with you for anybody who's thinking about an expat lifestyle or career or has curiosities about what it's like really unmedia filtered, what it's really like to live on that side of the world. And gosh, whatever other questions we can throw at Amanda that she read us. So we talked in the first episode about the adjustment of leaving Canada, leaving Toronto for her life and landing in Kuwait and working there and the rather pleasant surprises after the initial culture shock, entry shock. So I know, Amanda, that you spent four really exciting learning years and growing in the culture and within your organization. And then you had the opportunity to accept a, a, a bigger position and you relocated to Dubai. Correct. Dubai is the name that more people, I think, recognize than Kuwait. You see in the news, and for those of us who've watched the Sex and the City movie, there's all the confusion about really, was that Dubai or not? And Amanda can correct about that. But now I would like to open up a little more of what is it that maybe a misconception or an unawareness about 
what it's like in the Middle East, especially for you, a young woman transplanted there and working there. Right away, what came to mind is that people believe it's not safe for women to be there. And as a single woman, especially unsafe, um, which is quite false. It's, I think, UAE, I probably felt safer than I do in Toronto because the law enforcement is a visible presence, but not in a threatening way. And there is a, a very big respect for women within Muslim culture. And so women are protected in that sense. The other big misconception was that women don't drive and they don't work, which also is false. I got my driver's license in Kuwait and then had to get it again when I moved to UAE. And it was actually, I would say, easier than North America process. But it also then gave me that freedom for the work that I did to be able to commute to see my teens in the various locations. And lots of women do drive, whether they're local women or expat women. It, it was not seen as a hindrance in any way. I remember when I visited you being so impressed with the roads. They're so organized. The signage is beautiful. The road the lanes are very wide and everything is so well maintained. I don't think there is a word in Arabic for plural. No, and it is one of those things where our main roadway in Dubai, Sheikh Zayed Road, is 13 lanes wide. Rush hour traffic does not happen. Everything moves quite quickly and, and in an or, orderly fashion. Um, would, you, I will, would, you, would you be safe to say it's nothing like the 401? No, not at all. There's no need to worry about traffic. In fact, I lived what we would consider the suburbs in Dubai, but it was a 20-minute commute into work, yeah. which was right in the downtown core. And we actually, as expats, used to think 20 minutes is so long, but coming back to Toronto, thinking 45 minutes to two hours is too long. Yeah, yeah it is too long. And you're, it's a different reality. What, what do you think maybe some other things that would surprise people in North America about living in the Middle East? Especially Kuwait, as my first impression was, I wouldn't be able to find restaurants that I knew or food that I could eat. And that was absolutely false. Like every brand and then some is actually in, in the Middle East as an expansion, as a franchise. And you actually get not just North American brands, but you get English and European and French. And so you actually get a lot more choice than you would expect finding here in Toronto. So I'm missing restaurants that I know as chains over there. That's right. I remember now that it's so multicultural. Correct. It's like you could just travel the world by walking down the street and there is every major brand for shopping and dining. It's all there in one place. Every price point and every taste that you could have. I know you and I have joked about it that my time, I never cooked because I could just order out for relatively cheap and get it to my house faster than me trying to think of a recipe that I could make. My first, I would say seven of my 10 years, I didn't turn my stove on. So it was only in the last three that I thought it would be healthier to cook. Yeah. We, uh, we're having this conversation now on August 4th, 
2020. And we're unfortunately smack into what about month five of pandemic 2020. So now it's become much more the norm in people's vocabulary to order in, have food delivered to them or pick up curbside. That's how you existed all those Absolutely. years. And it, it might sound snobby, thinking of a better word, but my, my entire time there, the conveniences that the region affords. So people pumped your gas and they brought food to your car or they would deliver it directly to your home. Every bill, every public service is automated on an app. So you really didn't need to go into an office to connect a utility because you could just download the app and connect it right away. They've done great things with technology and great things to enhance personal comfort. And that's part of why the economies there have been so successful. So I know it's a small thing, but one of the things I remember being so impressed about was that overnight, magically, somebody came and washed your car in your parking spot in the garage. Yes. That's the coolest thing ever. And actually, the coming back to Toronto and seeing everybody's dirty car, I was thinking, where is that guy? I should have brought him with me. That's, that's who you should have put in this case, right? Yes. Okay. Again, and I, I apologize for speaking and generalizing the UAE and the Middle East, because I know that there's a lot of different countries and, and each one has its distinct character and geography. You had the opportunity or you took the opportunity to travel a bit wider there. Could you give us some highlights about other areas that you visited? So with, within that sort of region of the world for work, I, I did quite extensive travels. My time in Kuwait, I worked with Pottery Barn to launch the brand. So there I went to Lebanon, spent quite a lot of time there to do recruitment and then also open stores, Bahrain, Oman, which is just breathtaking as a country. And the people are so lovely and so humble. I experienced Saudi for work. I wish I'd actually gotten to be able to do it for tourism now that it's opened up. So that will come later. Mm -hmm. But just the region itself, you're right. There, there is an idea that it's one place, but each smaller country has its unique heritage and unique flavor, I would say, to that culture. And it's interesting over my time where I stepped off the plane in 2010 just seeing everybody in their white dish dasher and not knowing who they were. But now, 10 years later, I can actually see somebody and go, okay, I know what nationality you are. I can understand the subtle differences to the dress you're wearing to pick out your culture. That is fabulous. And that goes back to my uh, earlier remark about if more people traveled and were exposed to different cultures and really understood without the filters of media and movies, there would just be so much greater appreciation for each other, right? Absolutely. Those nuances of understanding the difference in the clothing, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I think what I haven't mastered, and, and I'm sad to say it, but the, the accent that's always been difficult for me, even in, in Canada. I never thought I had an accent till I came back 
to Toronto in these past three weeks and hearing it. And I'm thinking, was that what we sound like? I had forgotten what Canadian accent sounded like. Hey. Hey. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else that comes to mind that uh, that you would like to share in terms of, okay, the nuances between the different countries and uh, places that you love to visit and places you still want to visit? So my uh, personal travel, I think the best thing I had was that geographically where the it's the launch pad to Europe and to Asia. I had that opportunity to take some pretty impressive vacations because they were only a few hours away. So to go to Prague, to go to France, to I went to Singapore for my 40th birthday and then down to South Africa. Places where coming from Toronto, I never would have dreamt I could go. Actually, natural because I met people from those countries and it sparked an interest in order to then go on vacation there. And then also feeling like the Middle East was home. So after a vacation, you come home and appreciate appreciate it even more. And then if I talk about the differences, so my time in Saudi, for example, with the work that I did, I had that opportunity to meet men and women, interview, hire, recruit both men and women, and to have a local Saudi man to be interviewed by a Western female. Again, that was a stereotype that I think I was surprised by to say, oh, there's no problem with this. I could shake their hand. I could talk to them directly. And often they were very eager to have a Westerner talk to them because they could practice their English and they could hear communication, uh, which was great. And then to have those staff uh, of all nationalities working for me, it was their first exposure to have a female in a position of power or a position of authority from Nepal or from Myanmar, all these smaller countries that people don't think of, those were my employees. That's fantastic. You reminded me of, of when I traveled, I did business in China for decades and I had that same very positive experience meeting the locals, the nationals and their eagerness to interact and have conversations so they could show off their English skills and they could ask questions. And it was just the most heartwarming opportunity. And again, not to get all kumbaya, but hands around the globe, the more that we know about each other and celebrate with each other, a better place it's going to be for everybody. Absolutely. And I think even taxi, it was interesting to talk to those drivers in, especially in Dubai, most of them are from Pakistan or from India, from the rural areas. And so they're telling me their life story about coming and, and supporting not only their own family back in India or Pakistan, but their brothers and sisters' families because they're the breadwinner. And so it really humbles you to see people and their life journey. And then what, what I have and what I'm bringing into to my personal space and so it does it, it opens up your eyes to a completely different world than I think most of us in North America understand. Okay. I'd really like to make a point to talk in another episode more about that, about how um, your experience has expanded your thoughts on 
diversity and inclusion and how that all works to make uh, a company a stronger environment. And, and as they say, a rising tide lifts all the boats. Sure. That would be great. All right. So just a reminder for those of you that are listening, in episode one, we threw out a challenge for you to name all seven of the Emirates in the United Arab Emirates. And Amanda will be the judge and she will randomly choose a winner. And I will be very honored to send you a personally autographed uh, copy of my book. For now, we'll say farewell. Can we say farewell, goodbye in Arabic for us? Uh, Ask me and I've just froze it away. All right, all right. All right, I'll give you time to think about that. Okay, good. And we'll be back to you soon with another episode of Who Am I Now in the World? Bye-bye. Thank you for spending this time with me. I hope our conversation added value to your day and expanded your vision for your legacy and impact. Please join me in increasing my impact and expanding my reach to even more people by sharing this episode on social media with friends and leaving a review on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or channel of choice. To catch all the latest from me, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Connect with me and others in our community Facebook group, the Lift As You Climb movement, where you can engage be inspired by, and grow with a tribe of like-minded people. As I evolve as a podcaster and spokeswoman for collaboration and economic empowerment, your input and feedback are especially important to me. I welcome your suggestions and questions to hello at theencorecatalyst.com. Until we meet again, please remember your success may be the foundation for someone else's. Together, we can raise success ladders around the world.